Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of LTTK with Olola Day. How are you guys doing today? As you can tell, I'm very excited because like I mentioned in my last mini episode, I was talking about introducing a new series where I would be interviewing people from different cultures and countries, of course. And yes, in this episode, I have someone from Zimbabwe. So we are going to Zimbabwe. I'm taking all of you on a journey to Zimbabwe, which is a country in the African continent. And for this, I have a friend of mine, Tassim Banashe. <laughs> Tassim, you will let me know if I pronounced it accurately. Welcome to LTTK. Hello. Hey, Lola. Thanks for having me. I'm super, super excited. Oh, gosh, gosh, the pleasure is actually mine. I'm really excited. Thank you for honoring my invitation. So, Tassim, to start off, can you please introduce yourself? Like your full name, Tassim Banashe. Just give it to me. <laughs> You know, I love the ginger you say my name with. And I would say for a person who's actually not Shauna or Zimbabwe, you've said it quite, quite well. And uh -huh. it's my full name is Tasimba Nashe Michelle Muchabaiwa. Okay, Tasi. Mm, that's a very interesting name. And that then brings me to my next question, which is about the meaning of your name. So what does that name mean? And is it a kind of popular name in Zimbabwe? Do you get what I mean? Like, are people easily bearing Tashim Banashe? And yeah, then I'll ask you another question still about your name, but answer me first. So Tashim Banashe means we are strong in the Lord. Hmm. It is not a popular name, I would say. I mean, I do know a couple of Tashim Banashes, but it, it's very, very rare, I would say. Oh, that's a very interesting and powerful name because really we need strength, strength in the Lord these so who named you though i got my name from my mom uh -huh. okay. and i think most names most parents try to like give their children names with a meaning mm -hmm. yeah so that makes things a lot like tasimba nashi we're strong in the lord or mm -hmm. thank you lord or we're thankful names along these lines are very mm -hmm. very so maybe then I would oh, ask, what are like the popular names or the top five popular names that Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans bear? <laughs> top five popular names, let's see. Um, Tatenda, Tinashe, um, Nyasha, okay. Panashe, Panashe, Simba. Okay. Simba. Those are like, oh, and Simba. They, like, you know like Simba from Lion King? Wow, interesting. Okay okay that's interesting so the thing is um speaking of names right in your culture in zimbabwean culture who typically names the child when a child is born who is responsible for naming a child and then how many names um does the child bear you know the reason i'm asking is because in nigeria where i come from yeah when we name when we are named eh many times they are different stakeholders for a child's name. So parents will name, grandparents will name, uncles, aunties can also name, but essentially on birth certificates, it will just be like the first name, middle name and last name. But that doesn't mean that the child cannot associate herself or himself with those other names. So I want to ask you, yeah, who is who, who names the child primarily? And like how many names come on the child's naming ceremony, you know? Yeah. 
So usually the child has first and second name and surname, or sometimes just the first and the first name and the surname. Mm-hmm. And the people that have the final say are the parents. The, the parents could ask for suggestions, mm-hmm. but it's usually just the mother and the father who are responsible for it. But they could also ask for suggestions from aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, but the parents have the final say. Okay. So is it customary for the grandparents, like your grandmother? To give us an, a suggestion of yeah. a name. No, no, it's, okay. it's not. Okay. Because I, I think in my culture, in the Yoruba culture in Nigeria, it's more like, you know, the parents of the, the, how's to say this? Okay. So my mother, if I have a child, for example, my mother is very likely to give a name to the grandchild, as in without me asking, it's not about me oh, saying, okay. Can you please bring a name, you know, it's always like that, where the grandparents name the child as well. And that's what they will call the child when they are speaking to the child, which is different from what the parents themselves will name their children, you know. But anyway, that's enough about naming. So I'm interested in food because I like food. <laughs> so what is the most common food eaten in Zimbabwe? And can you describe how it's made so that people listening can get a sense of how to make it? Because I think that's one of the um, opportunities we have with technology is how we can be from a different country and experience something from another country. I mean, and go on YouTube and find how to make this recipe. So carry on, please the most popular has to be sadza and i think the closest sadza comes to is swallow from nigeria or greece and germany mm-hmm. it's made from like maize so mm-hmm. maize would be taken dried and then they grind it and make a powder and then mm-hmm. when you're cooking it you use some just simple water okay. and what's nice about sadza is sadza is eaten with anything from stew to vegetables to sour milk everyone loves sadza to meat anything you need sadza with anything really you can eat in the afternoon in the evening some people even eat in the morning is it light would you consider because if it's swallow (laughs) the typical swallow in in nigeria it's not light food though it's you know heavy something that's i I wanted to say that as well it's it's not as the way we make it is not as heavy as you guys Uh make it so it's um it's not as heavy as as your swallow it's not as heavy as fufu either it's like moderate but you'd still be full after you eat sadza like mm-hmm. i'll eat sadza in the afternoon in fact i try not to eat sadza in the afternoon because i will not i will not be able to do anything after okay if i were if i wanted to try it how would i make it so you get your your maize powder mm-hmm. which is it's called wufu in shana and you put a bit of water, so cold mm-hmm. water, your maize meal, you make a smooth paste, mm-hmm. then you add in some hot boiled water, mm-hmm. and then you mix it and you let it boil for about 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. then you add some more um, of the maize powder, and then mm-hmm. it's beca- it solidifies and, and it's ready to, to eat. Then you can eat it with your stew, with your meat, your vegetables, your sour milk. Sour milk? It. Sour milk with sugar okay it's it's really interesting i'd like to taste it though because my own idea of swallow i cannot the only thing i can eat swallow with is soup or stew i cannot eat it with any other thing i mean the soup will have protein like beef or 
or chicken or something but like the way you, you this one like you're talking about milk anyway it's interesting to know <laughs> so i'm moving on to language because you mentioned shona right exactly okay, yeah so what is the official language in zimbabwe and are there other like unofficial or popular languages and tell me the ones that are common and yeah so the most uh the, the official language is english because okay. we were colonized by the british but mm-hmm. um we have shona and Ndebele as the other two most popular native okay. languages mm-hmm. and then other th- than those two there's i think about three other not so popular ones like tonga or yeah three other not so popular ones but the most popular ones are shona and Ndebele, and that's because of the most popular tribes I think mm-hmm. Shana makes up about 80% of the country uh-huh. and Dibele about 14-15%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So can you, because I want to hear what it sounds like. Sounds so like. Of course, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to tell me, introduce yourself, who you are. Tassi, by the way, we didn't even do an introduction of you, what you do, what I did. It just occurred to me, oh, my guests don't You know, know me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's just imagine that, you know, you're just meeting me for the first time. So please, before you introduce yourself in the other language, introduce yourself in English, talk about you and what you do currently, and maybe your favorite thing to do during your free time. This should actually be at the beginning, but people, please pardon us. It's the gist that we're enjoying. So <laughs> carry on, Asi. Okay, my name is Tassim Banashi, as I already told you, or you can just call me Tassi. I'm a student. I study biomedical engineering. Okay, where? Exactly. Oh, yeah, in, in Ilmenau. I study at Technische Universität Ilmenau or Technical University of Ilmenau in Germany. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Tassi is studying in German. That's like when I see people who study in German, I know that they are very smart because German language. It's for another day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay, now that we've done that, <laughs> talk about yourself in Shona. In Shona. Okay. Shona. Shona. I hope you don't get lost because the nice thing about Shona is, I don't know if it's nice or not nice, it's, um, it's mixed up with some English words because we've had mm. so much colonialism. Okay. I probably might not be able to say everything in Sh- in the full Shona, but I'll try. Um, biomedical engineering. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. To be honest, this language sounds like a mix of house and evil. Hausa and Igbo. Are what? <laughs> now you have to say something in Hausa and Igbo then. I don't know. I don't. I don't speak it. Oh yeah, actually you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded, it sounded, there was a part that, that sounded like poro poro. That that part sounded like, um, like Igbo. I'm not Igbo. I'm Yoruba. 
And um, okay, Igbo Yoruba and Hausa are three uh, popular languages spoken in Nigeria. So they are the local dialect or local um, languages, but officially we speak English. And now there's Pidgin English for people who don't speak the official English. You get what I mean? But anyway, the focus is really not about me. I just wanted to point out that I, I still think that at the end of the day, languages will share like similarities, even though they are from different, you know, tribes, different countries. I still feel like, you know, at the end of the day, there would be some overlapping or, you know, interconnected words here and there. Yeah. So, um, can you just talk a little bit about maybe the tribes or the subcultures that you know? I mean, if you also don't know, it's also fine. Yeah. So there's the Shana tribe and mm-hmm. then the Ndebele tribe. Okay. And then other smaller tribes, maybe like, um, I'm, I'm actually not too sure of them. Tonga and yeah, I, I'm not sure of the other them. ones. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? No, I mean Shona. Yes, I've heard of, but the others. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tassi, just a quick one. I want to ask you. I'm going to play a song for you, and then I'll ask you. Yeah about this song and then you will talk okay. a little bit about the music in zimbabwe you know what i mean because I, I, I get you girl so yeah okay here it goes all right yeah that was dj olola on the wheels of Stick. i see you i see you bring us the waves bringing us the waves <laughs> okay so um what's this about i mean I really Firstly, like. Lola, I love the song. How did you know? You gotta tell me. How did you know? I, I, I really just literally googled popular Zimbabwean music, and then that was the first thing that came up on my screen. And I'm like, you know what? Let's listen. And I really love the vibe. <laughs> this guy is super cool. His name is Holy Tin, uh-huh. and in this song, he's talking about how um, he's talking about a girl. Okay. and how he likes the girl and how he she's he could potentially marry her uh-huh. and how he's totally like um uh into her and he's gonna marry her and she she, she should already tell her dad that listen i've already taken your daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay what an interesting storytelling music so what would you say is the um common thing about the music in zimbabwe across like what kind of music is popular Zimbabwe, pardon me. I would say hip hop and um, dance hall. Mm-hmm. Those, are, I think, the, the most popular genres. Mm-hmm. I think the, this 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 vibe, this vibe that I just heard, I really like it. I don't know what it means, but you've told me. But so for me, if I'm listening to it, it will just be for the you know the move, the body. The vibe. <laughs> He's dope. This guy is super cool. His music is dope. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was watching the video and he sat down, you know, just recording. <laughs> okay, enough about music. <laughs> so tell me about the biggest festival in Zimbabwe. What's that like? Wow. Um, I think that 
the two big ones. There's um, Hefa, Hare International Festival of Arts, and mm -hmm. Vic Falls Carnival. But I think the Hare International Festival of Arts is a lot bigger. It happens in... All I remember when I was going to high school was, it was during the first term holiday. And that's like in April, May-ish. It's like the last week, last week of the holiday before the next term starts. And it's all about arts, music, poetry, dancing, um, you name it, all the arts. And it's a whole week of different artists coming through and performing, showing the art and uh, people appreciating it. It's mm -hmm. amazing. So does that mean yeah. that if that's like the biggest festival, does that give us an indication of the typical Zimbabwean is prone to arts? Is that something that I can confidently say? Or maybe I should mm. be conscious about that? Yes, you can say that. But I would say um, we are very, uh, we, very we, we esteem our artists, especially the musicians, very highly. Mm. Um, most of the times that happen in Zimbabwe, I would say our musicians back it up with their music. So if you listen to the music over the years, you can tell from what from the lyrics and what's going on in the country, um, oh. just from what they're singing. Really? It, like, yeah. is that typical of the Zimbabwean artists or is just quite a number of them? Quite a number of them, I would say. There's always that like one distinctive one in every block of five to 10 years that mm -hmm. sings about yeah. One, one or two of them that will be singing and covering the whole spectrum and representing the people that are present in that time. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's interesting. I think it's also the same in, in Nigeria where we have like some um, renowned artists that sing about the problems of the country, but typically most of the time the song, the music now is just really about vibes. It's all about, you know, beat and just women. And that's like, you know, Afrobeats. But you would see some that are talking about serious issues in the society. Yeah, like Fela. Fela is like the popular one that people from all over the world are familiar with. Fela, Fela Kuti. Okay, um, so now let's talk about marriage. Hmm. How is marriage seen in Zimbabwe and what's the process for getting married? I would say Zim takes marriage as a sacred and a big thing mm -hmm. because like it's a time where families are brought together mm -hmm. and I would say for, for girls for example um, by the, from the time you're like the, the moment you hit puberty mm -hmm. I think they pretty much try and grow their girls for this thing called marriage and they just want to be like the best wives mm -hmm. so and that that alone shows us how big they consider it they mm -hmm. have this thing called lobola um the, the dowry okay yeah, yeah so we have dowry and or known in the Ndebele language as lobola Oshwana, rora and mm -hmm. it's a big thing you have uncles and aunts and family members coming together to make this big rora or lobola happen families come together for the this I would say there's two there's two stages to the whole mm -hmm. process okay the dowry part mm -hmm. which is known as the customary marriage and then the um the civil marriage where okay. if you're christian then that would be in the church where okay. the, the country or the city can recognize your union mm -hmm. okay but um oh i also wanted to mention that in our culture the dating stages are like not 
they don't usually come forth with their partners during the dating stages. They usually only bring them like when they're sure that they want to get married and then they start introducing them. So are you saying that now if you were in a relationship or if you are in a relationship, your parents will not know about it eh? until when the guy has proposed them. That's a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well because well, i've been so westernized and um also so i've been westernized and um i've been influenced by christian values i i wouldn't do it now but the usual zimbabwean setup and the usual zimbabwean culture is like that you only bring them when there's he's now ready to pay for the dowry and mm-hmm. you guys are serious about marriage mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So, does that mean that the family members are not like very um, involved in the relationship at the dating stage? That, no, is that what they? No, they're not. They're not okay. involved. Hmm. They're not okay, involved. that's very interesting. So, um, would you say that between then and now, like your parents' time or your grandparents' time, and now in your own time, there's like a difference. A difference in how. The marriage was carried out then and how it's carried out now yeah there is a big difference we can even start with just the ages back then people would be getting married 16 18 some mm-hmm. already get married but these days you see people getting married a lot later mm-hmm. um in in life and i think even the the dowries i have a feeling that um the dowries are different i'm not so sure which one was more expensive or which one was of more value but the dowry prices have, uh, are now different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Also, I think back then, um, the, the the idea of only bringing the, which, of only bringing your relationship to the fore, forefront was mm-hmm. like a lot earlier than it's mm-hmm. done now. I, I mean, now I'm sure people date for like six years and your parents don't even know that you guys have been dating. Wow. <laughs> and they don't ask. They just don't even bother me. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they probably ask. They're probably pressuring their daughters on marriage. Like, that's the other thing. You're asking if marriage is big. They see marriage so big, like it's some extra achievement in life. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, Added to that, people that don't want to get married are usually seen with a with a with a weird look. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you want to get married? Or like, why don't you want to have kids? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that would be the same for Nigerians. So, since we're talking about marriage, and you've mentioned specifically that there's a thing with pressuring women in particular, so I want to talk about gender roles in Zimbabwe. How is how are gender roles perceived in your country? What emphasis is placed on men? And what emphasis is placed on women? Maybe you can con- contextualize that for me. So, um, I think Zimbabwe is a very patriarchal society. So, like, the men have this domineering light shed on them. Even mm-hmm. let's take the home, for example. I'll say the father or the men have the um, dominant voice. They have the final decision kind of mm-hmm. um place the protectors the providers and then the women are more on the nurturing loving mm-hmm. um side yeah and yeah so but then i've noticed that with as time is going on women keep breaking these limitations like in the, in the workplace for example they keep on taking these roles that 
um, were usually only lift for men. You'd find now there's female mechanics, female leaders, female um, drivers, mm-hmm. and that's very interesting. But still, in the home, the the women are expected to to be like um, obedient to their husbands and taking the um, I don't want to call them inferior role because that just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. I would say they like they expect to take like a. Don't worry, I get it. And like I, a little lower, <laughs> little lower stage, like a little lower level to their husbands, mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. like obedient. And then the f- first male child is given um, uh, a lot of respect, and mm-hmm. a lot of respect. So the the first male son be given more respect and be expected to take like the breadwinner role mm-hmm. and even if the first child is a female the emphasis will be placed on on the male if he's the second born okay so it's like this it's like um with age comes respect and if you're male comes even more respect okay um so for example the female voice would not be respected if there was if there were men in the room or mm-hmm. In the, in the presence of males. However, if it's a female that's older, mm. then she would get respect. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so the I female guess. child would get respect as she grows older. Mm-hmm. But then the male child still seems to have like a, a, a like a more domineering voice than the female. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely get it. Okay, that's um, kind of, I mean, similar again to Nigeria. I mean, and even maybe if we can generalize because we know that there is gender gap gender inequality and it's even manifesting in workplaces or it's been manifested in workplaces but i think very much now thankfully globalization more female voices are coming up to say you know what this this does not have to be and like you said now some male dominated fields are now being thrown to women women also have like the same opportunities to also grow in that career so that's really yeah what we can hope for that things get better really and hopefully (laughs) we find men who understand that because they are men it doesn't now mean that they have to like silence women's voices you know what i mean especially in the exactly yeah yeah so um I'm now curious about the rite of burial, like when people die, how, how is it carried out in Zimbabwe? Wow. Um, so I'll, I'll say that like in terms of culture and the burial, because you've been so West, like Westernized and also um, because of Christian values, mm-hmm. those things have kind of changed to what, what it's like these days. So now a person will be buried um, um, either in a, in a cemetery near the house or like back in the rural areas mm-hmm. and depending on the family mm-hmm. there will probably be some rituals after that are done okay. after the burial okay so ritual is ritual different from celebration like do they celebrate the okay. life like so the point of the of it is to celebrate life and to mourn and mm-hmm. comfort the people that have been left mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these rituals, depending on the family background, mm-hmm. uh, those are the main three points to mourn, celebrate and comfort the people that have been left. Okay. And how quickly after the death of the person, do they bury that person? 
wow, I've attended like two funerals in my life. So I would say same week, the same week that they died, they should be buried. I think the difference of between death and burial should be about three, four days. But I don't think they um, they want it to be long. I think it should be shortened as much as possible, I think. Yeah. Okay, but does it... Um, now, I'm curious to understand if this um, shortage... Is it shortage now? What will be the word? If the duration is based on the age of the person that died. For example, if it's an old person, someone who already lived, you know, um, lived up on, up onto 80 years, for example, that person has already lived, or, um, and, and that's putting that side by side, someone who died at, say, 35. No, I don't think it has anything to do with the age. Not at all. Okay. The only reason that a burial like would be prolonged maybe for two, three weeks is maybe they're waiting for their family members to come that are not in okay. the vicinity mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. it's not got nothing to do with the age of the person mm -hmm. okay this is very yeah. interesting because in at least in my culture for example in um, yoruba culture in nigeria if someone has died especially an old old person let's say my grandma i remember when my grandpa died actually he was buried was it not one month after i'm telling you and oh. Be, there, there was a big celebration of life, you know, where the whole um, family members, like my mom, her siblings, every one of them had the people that they invited to the party. It was really big. It was a big celebration of life. You know? and, and so I kind of also wonder why, but I guess I think it's cultural home um, town where if it's an old person, they don't bury that person immediately many wow. times bound the body keep it in fact at the <laughs> i don't know if i should say this but at the time that was years ago years ago let me specify because now i'm sure things are done better when my grandfather died when the um, um, um this english show when they <laughs> bound his body he was placed in the in his room so his dead body was placed in that room that he died <laughs> for, for some time <laughs> Ah, it's wow. but <laughs> that's actually opposite, almost opposite to the shun, to my our culture because they, would, they they actually want the person to be out of the house as fast as possible. <laughs> I think that I think the body sleeps in the person's house like one night, one night, <laughs> one night, please, and he has to go away and be buried. That is interesting. Yeah. So um, maybe uh, two more quick questions before we we wrap. The oh, yeah. one is, um, what would you say is one misconception about um, Zimbabweans that you are aware of? Just one. Um, I'm going to take this as an, with, as an like, misconception I've heard from other people that are not Zimbabweans. Yeah. So usually when I start speaking in English, people are always shocked that Zimbabweans can speak fluent English. Yeah, like, I promise. <laughs> They're like, what? Why? All the time. <laughs> and, uh, I guess yeah. it, it would be the same for me who comes from Nigeria people and I think it's it's because we are in an uh, international environment you know that's why we get that vibe people think that oh maybe they, they speak another language that is not English and so when they exactly. see or they hear me speak really good English it's like 
really there was even one time i was talking to one lady i just met her and she's like where are you from i said i'm from nigeria she's like wow you speak really good english i thought you were from america or something i say give an accent give an accent maybe maybe i mean my accent changed of course because i was trying to make myself more audible to her so I, the way i'm talking to you now okay. i was talking to her you know i was putting i was speaking really clear english and maybe she's yeah. like i've heard other people from your country speak they don't speak like this so you know i was anyway yeah that's that um so the last question now this is for you would you classify yourself as a true representation of the culture in your country wow um i see some traits of zimbabwean culture in me but not all the zimbabwean culture traits so I would not say not a no. I'm not a true um, cultural Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. I'm not the most cultural person. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. That's it. And this was really fun, though. But let me even put this a, was so much fun, Lola. Yeah, I know, right? Let me just put a disclaimer to everyone listening. So Tasi is speaking from her own experience and her own understanding of Zimbabwe. So um, this is not an authority to say, oh, you know, this is everything about Zimbabwe. Do you get what I mean? But this gives us an idea of what we can expect to see in some contexts. And I hope that this is really clear. I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode. So maybe one more um, um, thing to end this episode. Tassi, describe your, your, your flag. Describe oh, the Zimbabwean flag. <clears throat> So it has got green, red, yellow, white on it. Mm -hmm. And these colors all represent many different things. And it also has a a bird on it. The white Mm -hmm. is for peace. The red is for the blood that was shed during our war to get independence. Mm -hmm. The green Mm -hmm. is for the vegetation we have in our country. The Mm -hmm. yellow is for the minerals. And then the bird. I need to confirm what the bird means. I heard that the bird represents the... um, the way we want to restore things before they were before colonization. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. But I, I, I should ma- find out for sure what it actually means. Okay, yeah. Sorry, this was a spontaneous question because I actually thought about it. You know, if not for this episode, I don't think I'm not a, I don't know so much about different countries. But anyway, this is why we're doing LTTK. This increase our knowledge. Okay. Exactly. So, Can know. I share one more thing about Zimbabwe? Of course. Why not? About the culture. <laughs> so Zimbabwe is a very um, polite culture, polite mm-hmm. and non confrontational. Mm-hmm. And there's things like, respect and yeah there's things like respect Mm -hmm. and these things come with um for example a very respectful thing that we do is everyone who's older than you you cannot refer to them with their first name yeah and in some households even your brothers and sisters that are older than you you can't Mm -hmm. just call out their name yeah you have to refer to them with some sort of 
Yeah, you're probably in the streets because that was one of the questions that I was going to ask. But because we are running out of time, I just had to, you know, wrap it up. That's why. But thank you for mentioning that. And I think it's also the same thing in in Nigeria. Like, um, especially Yoruba, where, where I come from, there's this respect that is really ascribed to people that are older than you you have to like put some respect on the name you cannot call someone um who is older than you by their first name like it will be right. uncle auntie even when they're not even your uncles or aunties like they're not right <laughs> do you get what i mean so yeah that's an interesting point that you made um, and thank you for that. Thank you so much, Tassie, for joining me on this episode. It was so interesting. And now, thankfully, I know much more than I knew before about Zimbabwe. And maybe in the future, I will speak Shona. Shona. <laughs> yes. Same day, Ipi. Same day. Yeah. Same day, Ipi. Same day, Ipi. Nice. That means hi. Oh, okay. Okay, girl. Same day, Ipi. <laughs> all right thank you so much everyone for joining in this episode i will catch you in my next episode and i will be speaking to someone else from another country so fingers crossed expect and until then don't forget to toast to knowledge because what you know is never enough you know how we do it now all right guys take care be good and bye